welcome to the Fracture Line, the official weekly news feed from the Chest Wall Injury Society, where we will listen to all the bottom line CWIS updates, shoutouts, fun facts, and weekly banner. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Crisco, and I'm joined always by Dr. Tom White, Dr. Adam Kay, and Sarah Ann Whitbeck. Dr. Gene Moore, we are very happy to have you on Fracture Line. Welcome to Fracture Line. As always, we like the guest host to kind of give us a little bit about themselves. I know you need no introduction for the majority of our listeners, but please tell us about your career and how you got to where you are now. Yeah, I've been fundamentally a trauma surgeon my entire career. I uh, was fortunate to be hired to start the first trauma service at the Denver General Hospital in 1976 and uh, never left. So I've... Uh, Clearly enjoyed my environment. It's been uh, great from a clinical perspective. Uh, as a uh, inner city uh, safety net hospital, as you know, we have abundant trauma. So that's never been a problem. And I've been lucky to be able to collaborate with the university uh, in doing basic research as well. We have been uh, NIH funded now for 35 consecutive years. So I was chief of surgery, uh, chief of trauma for 36 years. And I gave it up in 2012 when I became editor of the journal Trauma. And gladly so, because the job is much more challenging, as you well know. I uh, was lucky to be chief back in the golden days when actually we had some authority. Uh, Now you're uh, merely a talking piece for the CEO. So anyway, I had a very enjoyable career, and I currently... uh, I did my 10 years of the journal, so I no longer do the journal. So I'm back to uh, the same old thing, doing a trauma service call. And I'm fortunate to be uh, working under uh, Dr. Fred Paracci, who everybody knows. And uh, Fred, of course, uh, is a pioneer in the field of uh, rib fixation. And uh, I think Fred's been wonderful uh, in many respects, but he is a true academic surgeon who uh, is trying to improve care of the trauma patient. Well, Dr. Moore, we we know that you're surrounded by physicians, uh, not only at work, but also in your family life. Your brother, who many of us know is a surgeon, I think you might have another brother that's a surgeon. I'm not sure about that. And you have at least one son who's a surgeon. Do you have anybody in your family that's non-surgeon, and can you tell us about them and why you're proud of them? Well, that's a good point. I don't think they could train us to do anything else. Uh, my two other brothers uh, also became trauma surgeons, and but we do have three sisters, uh, and we're, of course, we're proud of them. Uh, one sister is a social worker. Uh, another sister uh, re- retired recently, and she uh, spent her life educating uh, handicapped children. And my third sister is a uh, primary school teacher. I know what Adam was really jonesing to ask you. He, he was really interested in your progression between, you, you've lived through so many eras of ribs and rib fractures and the care of these patients. As someone who's previously not fixated ribs and now now working where you are now, what has kind of changed in terms of your own practice, in terms of your your belief in fixing ribs in general? Well, I can remember uh, at meetings uh, Don Trunkey uh, advocating for rib fixation at a time when many trauma surgeons did orthopedic surgery. And it was uh, in the framework of trauma surgeons should take care of the injured patients comprehensively. And uh, 
there's no reason we shouldn't be fixating uh, ribs as well. The impasse at that time, I think, was dominantly uh, the technology. And to some degree, uh, our competition with the orthopedic surgeons, although they really were not that, that interested, uh, but it's fundamentally the equipment. And as that matured, and then uh, Fred Paracci, Tom White, and others, you know, showed us the data, then I think a lot of us... Uh, took it on and believe it and now use it routinely. And then of course you came to the summit and you were our terrific keynote speaker in 2019. We were so honored and and still very much appreciate your contribution to our meeting. Thank you again. Well, it was enjoyable to go to the meeting and uh, great there to uh, celebrate all the accomplishments uh, of Fred and Tom and others. Uh, and that was a time, as you remember, my, my uh, lecture was on the history of rib fixation. And I went through some of the ups and downs and really the impediments and why it took uh, um, many years before we actually accepted the concept. And now it's integral. I have a confession to make, Dr. Moore. I stole your slides and I've used them in several subsequent talks. Uh, so I just have to, I just have to put that out there. It was such a good talk. Let me ask you this question. Obviously, you've been very supportive of our efforts as a society and as, as chest wall injury surgeons. Do you, two questions, do you think there's ever going to be a role for chest wall injury surgery as a standalone or a, as, as a, sub, a subspecialty in trauma surgery that deserves or, uh, you know, further specific training? And the other question is, we've enjoyed a, a rapid amount of success in five years. What do we need to avoid to not fail? It's, it's This whole thing still feels a bit tenuous to me, and I, I'm nervous about screwing up. And what, what advice would you give us? Well, first of all, uh, I would be disappointed if we tried to make a subspecialty out of trauma that did chest wall surgery. And I think that's been an, an error trauma surgery's made all along. And trauma surgery's been chewed up because of, as you know, the super specialization of uh, general surgery. And, you know, vascular we've lost, and we've lost a lot of thoracic. <clears throat> and this is one of the areas that I'm excited about because it gets us back in to being uh, broad-based surgeons. Uh, I, I, I hope we'll regain the vascular. I do think there's a huge gap to be filled for open vascular surgery because, as you well know, the new end of vascular surgeons aren't trained in it, and uh, there's no one at 3 o'clock in the morning to take care of uh, axillary injury, popliteal dislocation. So that's an opportunity for us, but unfortunately, that's probably going to take a little more training, frankly. While rib fixation takes training, it's not the same level as doing a posterior approach and putting a jump graft in a popliteal artery. And I think we need courses, uh, but most importantly, just like Reboa, <clears throat> another topic, I think, uh, germane to trauma surgery, you need champions at hospitals who then train the others uh, in their department and show them. And the, the, fortunately, uh, rib, fla rib uh, fixation you know, is a relatively elective procedure. So it's not like Reboa, where most of them are three o'clock in the morning or on weekends when no one's around. At least rib fixation, you say, okay, we're going to do it tomorrow, first start at 9 at 7.30, and uh, I expect so-and-so to be there so I can show you how to do it. So I think the opportunities are there. I, I don't think really you need much simulation training. Uh, I think, as you know, I mean, there's tricks to it. Every time you do one, and uh, Sarah knows I did one just before the call last time, every time you do one, I've done quite a few, uh, every time you do one, you learn another little trick. And you get a little more facile. But by and large, most of us end up with the same result. It may take us a little longer, and we may take a couple screws out to make it better. 
<clears throat> but we learn after a while little tricks. But that's just a ma- matter, I think, of uh, experience. And again, I think that can be gleaned in institutions where they have champions who are willing to share their expertise and encourage others to do the same thing. So I don't think you're going to be uh, running into landmines. I think, if anything, I would be very uh, optimistic for where chest wall injury uh, society will go. I, I hope it doesn't try to be too independent and claim it's especially, but I think it's integral to trauma surgery, and I think that's where your home is and where it'll have its best future. I had a feeling you would say that. And I'm glad that you espoused that because I feel exactly the same way. I was just trying to be provocative. No, I, I think as the youngest person on this call, I was trained to fix ribs, you know, from my first year through my fifth year because I had someone to do that for me. And and it wasn't just to fix ribs. It was to do the VATS at the same time and, you know, evacuate the hemothorax, do my rib blocks. And so I think as long as, like you say, there's a champion at each facility to teach us younger surgeons, we're growing a new breed of chest wall surgeons right now. And, and I'm, you know, I, I was trained to be comfortable with the VATS and whatever I need to do with the VATS. And that anatomy is fine with me. And I think that I continue to do that for my residents too, uh, which is different than it was 10 years ago. And I think it's because of Chest Wall Injury Society and, you know, and, and a lot of mentors that I've had along the way. So I agree with you. I, I think it stays in our realm. Well, and I'd be quick to, uh, to acknowledge that when I talk about rib fixation, it's a bundle, uh, which I think both Tom and Fred have uh, promoted. That It's bronchoscopy, uh, thoracoscopy, and uh, whatever you want to uh, take care of the pain in the chest wall. But it is a bundle. Uh, and I agree that you need all those elements. I, I remember the meeting we had when those were arguing about why do we need to do thoracoscopy and you don't need to do bronchoscopy, uh, just go fix a rib. And then I'm sure all of us in the phone, on the call here totally disagree with that. We've seen ribs stuck through uh, lungs and all kinds of horrendous things that uh, we'd never expected. So I, I totally agree. It's a bundle and all come Every time you got to do that, everything routinely. Well, please don't attribute any credit to the bundle concept to me. It's all it's Fred, and I he's he drugged me kicking and screaming into that camp, and I agree fully with you now. But but I I wasn't uh, I I deserve no credit for that. We would be remiss if we didn't ask you to at least talk about Fred a little bit in a little bit more detail. As you know, he's near and dear to us. He's a wonderful human being. We we love the guy, but he has to have something that he does or doesn't do that that irks you or bothers you. Can you give us just one attribute that we could just we just need to knock him off his pedestal just a couple of inches? Well, uh, to make a brief summary, of that uh, nothing. Uh, I have. Uh, I have tremendous admiration for uh, Fred, and he lives a life uh, that I believe in. Uh, You know, he works hard, he plays hard, you know, he can uh, frolic with the gang. Uh, And so Fred is, in my estimation, the ideal uh, chief of surgery. He just, and he's he's a type A workaholic. I mean, he's, when someone needs help, he's there. When someone needs to take call, he's there. Uh, he's got a great family, as you know. Uh, and so Fred really uh, has a lot of the assets, which, frankly, I think a lot of chiefs' uh, surgery uh, are missing in this country, particularly in trauma centers. He's part of the old guard uh, attitude, and I think that's needed. Yeah. Well, we're, in, we're, we're indebted to him. We wouldn't be where we were if, he, if we hadn't captured his interest early on and brought him, you know, 
brought him aboard. So we're we're grateful. Well, I, I, I'm I'm pleased to hear that he has no major flaws. I don't know that photo that <laughs> no. of him wearing that American flag romp him. Does everyone yeah, remember the romp him? You know, days? that's just that's just yeah, quirky. That was that's just an idiosyncrasy. No, that was pretty ugly. Well, I would have to I have to uh, admit, uh, you know, Fred being trained in New York, uh, he doesn't exactly come off as uh, Manhattan stylish. <laughs> all right we got something we got something to work on oh my goodness well i'll tell you one of my favorite stories about him he he did um he did the boulder iron man a few years ago and and after i did an iron man we were talking about it and and i was saying so you know we were talking about gear and clothing and stuff and he's like oh i i just wore cut off scrubs and i was like no no you didn't he's like no, I really did. And he pulls out his phone and he shows me, like, you know, everybody else has tech suits and, like, these super cool, expensive outfits that they do Iron Man in. And he literally is like, yeah, no, I just got these from the hospital. I just cut them off. It totally works. That's awesome. Oh, my gosh. Like, spend a few bucks, man, and buy a suit next time. <laughs> and that was... That's Fred, although I can't tell you uh, another story about Fred. We, uh, we, for decades, uh, when I was chief of surgery, had a rather infamous Christmas party at our house. Always, it was a black tie uh, mandatory, and at uh, midnight, also mandatory, we would uh, drink a shot of a raw egg. Well, Fred, I think it was his first year as a fellow, came to the party, and he wasn't accustomed to uh, <clears throat> the octane speed at which we celebrated and he was slamming down uh, shots like the rest of us. Well, like a long story short, by the end of the night, by the time we got to eating the egg, uh, Fred's tux was in his shreds. <laughs> Elaborate on the raw egg. Got it's it. my understanding that it's the entire egg, right? It's the shell. It's the whole thing. Is that right? That's right. That's right. It's a raw egg with the shell intact. But you got to wash it down with a shot of tequila so you get rid of that salmonella. That's That's very bold. Well, we are so grateful for all you've done to help us with fostering the relationship with the Journal of Trauma. I, I just have such a heart burst over, you know, all of those efforts. Thank you so much. We, we are so grateful and it has really helped us be um, a louder voice in the community about this practice that we're so passionate about and and super appreciate all you've done so thank you for the mentoring and and helping us really you know carry this flag forward well it was it was easy in my part and uh you provide the science uh, i made a little bit of a pathway uh, but again uh, i had no compunction to be uh, highly enthusiastic for that as i said uh, to put the trauma surgeon back in the operating room and i really think uh, of all things that we've done uh, the open vascular the reboa things that we should do the easiest one and the quickest one to get done is fixation of ribs outstanding yeah let's move on to updates sarah so main update is that the hotel finished the online um, booking link that's custom to our group. It is posted on the Summit website. So if you have been waiting for that to book your hotel room, I know um, some people have wanted to go that method versus the call-in, uh, but either method is, is available on the website now. So if you head to the Summit webpage, um, you are good to start booking hotel rooms once they sell out. Um, there will be a certain amount of overage at our conference rate, but 
but only a certain percentage and and then you'll be paying full rack rate so you want to be on the early side not the late side um, and just continuing to amass registrations as a reminder we do have the online component for any who cannot attend in person um, and anyone who does attend in person will also have access to the online version for the archive so please feel free to um, avail yourself of that the archive will be available for 12 months following the activity so um, you can watch it share it use it for subsequent grand rounds and things like that so those are my updates let's move on to uh, the final stitch i'll go first i want to give a shout out to one of my chief residents jack townsend He's going into trauma critical care. He's an outstanding surgeon, regardless of where he is, scrubs every single one of my chest wall cases. Uh, it doesn't matter if he's on call, it doesn't matter if it's the middle of the night, and he takes good care of all my patients. And uh, as of you know this month, I think we're the largest volume center in the state of Massachusetts right now, and it's uh, because of uh, a, big, a big part of him and kind of keeping things rolling for, for me and uh, our patients. So he is an outstanding guy. Keep the name in your mind, Jock Towns. I'll give you my final stitch. So I was listening to um, a podcast and they were talking about this um, Gen Z, or they call them also the Zoom generation, um, or Gen Zoom, um, and just all the, the trauma they've seen, that the quantity of, of traumatic incidences um, that they have seen and or lived through basically um, between mass shootings, pandemic, you know, et cetera, a, a, you know, huge market crash and, and different things. It's just the quantity is larger in totality than, than other generations have been. And, you know, through it all, they've, they've learned to be resilient. They've learned to, you know, still, you know, bounce back. And, and although mental health crisis is, is very real, they, they also are a resilient generation and, um, just, Super impressed. So hug, hug a uh, hug a tween, hug a teen. Tell them you're proud of them this week. Find someone that that could use a little pat on the back, and that that's an impressive generation. They're gonna do cool things. You're well, I'm gonna take that opportunity right now then to to shout out one of my boys who I have three, and and one of them is uh, really embracing college and academia. He's finally found the his what I think is his calling. He's realizing that hard work has rewards and that it's important to be self-motivated and to, you know, I, I just couldn't be more proud of Drew and, and the things he's been doing lately. And so I just, uh, I'm piggybacking on yours, Sarah, but he deserves a shout out this week. So good job, Drew. I'm proud of you. I love you. Nice. Dr. Moore? Well, I can continue on a theme. Uh, I have uh, two sons we're very proud of. My wife's an internist. My one son is a liver transplant surgeon at the University of Colorado, uh, and uh, he has his own NIH-funded lab, uh, which is uh, remarkable in itself, but even more remarkable for a surgeon. So he's got a K99 and an ROO and has his own lab. <clears throat> and his uh, younger brother, uh, Peter, is a pulmonologist, critical care, and he's about to uh, join the staff in July at the University of Colorado, and he also is pursuing basic research in a K99. So we're proud of our boys who uh, are continuing uh, interest in basic science at a time when most surgeons in this country have given up, frankly. Well, not a good time. To thanks give again, up. Dr. Moore. Thanks, Gene. Thank you. I had a great time with you guys. I'd love to have some tequila and eggs with you the next time we meet. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, man. Great. Episode. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.